Hey Peyton, I just got back from a long, long drive from Northeast Arkansas. How long was your drive? It was too long, but I'm here now. This Fun is the number. first time I've been out of the car since two o'clock today. That's exciting. And I am so glad to be standing up and I'm so glad to be here and recording this intro. That's good. <laughs> it is. I've been sitting on my couch. For, for a while, actually. Good. So we were both sitting for a very long time, and yeah. now we're both standing. Yes, yes. Thankful for standing. Thankful for standing. And Hashtag thank- thankful for standing. Glad I'm not sitting at 70 miles an hour anymore. Isn't that just so bizarre how we're like yeah, absolutely. in just death traps? Think about that every time I drive on the highway. Yeah, yeah, just big metal, scary $30,000 monster machines. Anyway, this is neither here nor there. We have a really great interview for you guys today. Northwest Arkansas. We never said hi to you. We We never never addressed you. We never addressed you directly. Hello there. Hello, hello, Northwest Arkansas. Hello, hello, Washington and Benton counties. How are you? Welcome to our TV show. We will wait until you respond. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for thank you for responding. We well, we have a great show for you guys today, uh, Peyton. Who did we talk to? Uh, we talked to Willie and Allison, and they are in the band Old Ties together. And so, how we actually know Willie and Allison is the Square Dance that you've you might have seen us post a lot on our Instagram, on our Facebook page. Zach and I love to be there. We love to square dance. Love we, to learn to square we, dance. We just love to be at square dance to say we were there. It's a great... Im- no, I <laughs> genuinely enjoy square dance. Come on. <laughs> I really do. I've, I've never enjoyed sweating and being abnormally warm ever in my life. Agreed. I'm with you. It's a blast. Not even being in the sauna. It's not the same. I don't like being in saunas anyway. Yeah, that's awful. But yeah. this place is great. So anyway, so we met them at Square Dance because they both call at Square Dance, and plus they, um, they both play instruments, as you will definitely find out. Because on this episode, we have some live music for you guys, which I'm very pumped about. Yeah, it's kind of neat because we're kind of wrapping up some interview content for a little bit with the podcast, and it's kind of cool to close out this first season i don't want to call it a season it's but uh as this we're wrapping up this set of interviews this finale to those interviews we've got some live music uh for you guys so you won't even have to listen to peyton's music at this time you get to <laughs> isn't listen, everyone thankful for that isn't everyone um but you get to hear some music from allison and willie uh who are super talented we've we have we've actually heard them play a couple of times outside the context of square dance even. Right. Yeah. Um, you'll hear about this in the interview itself, but uh, I got to see Willie's performance of death of a folks folk singer, uh, which is fantastic. And he's touring with that for the next four months. And so I'm actually really thankful that we were able to talk to him literally the day before he left to go on tour. And then Allison played at the Arkansas Brewgrass festival, which we attended later in the day that we recorded this interview. Um, So they're really talented human beings and they've, they've just brought so much joy to my life between their music and the square dance stuff. It's excellent. Yes. And so in this interview, uh, we're going to talk a lot about just old time music distinctly. It's not necessarily folk, it's old time. And so we get to actually define that in this interview and also see the ties between that and punk, which is something that oh, yeah. kind of just I did not see coming. Um, so, you, yes, you'll understand the ties between old-time music and punk rock music through it, this interview. In the Pacific Northwest, specifically. Yeah. So, anyway... This interview takes some really fun and interesting twists and turns that we definitely were not expecting. But So, 
with that, sit back and enjoy the ride. Enjoy the old time music and we will see you on the other side. Two, three. Hey, Northwest Arkansas, welcome to another episode of Hey, Hey, NWA. Um, who you're hearing right now, uh, Willie and Allison, and if actually you guys want to introduce yourselves real fast, that would be excellent. I'm Allison Williams. I'm Willie Carlisle. Awesome. Well, okay, so tell us a little bit about what you just played. Uh, well, that was Dry and Dusty. It's an Ozark fiddle tune or a, a tune that just about everybody in the Ozarks that uh, played in some way or another. I learned that version from Pete Howard, and I believe he got it from a recording of an old gentleman named Art Galbraith, um, probably one of the best uh, Ozark-style fiddle players that has ever has ever been live. Um, I came down here and, uh, and learned it from Pete Howard, though, who lives in Fayetteville. Um, it's a great tune. It's classic. Well, okay, so how would you... The thing is, I don't know much about like folk music in general. So, what would constitute a classic? I mean, because you know, uh, folk music is very much, um, as I've learned from you guys, actually, just uh, very you know, I don't want to say oral tradition, but it's passed on. No, it, it, right? that's exactly what it is. Um, the the music that we play is music that has been passed down via oral tradition. Um, it hasn't been passed down through any commercial medium. Um, you know, certainly radio and 78 records played some part in it, but for the most part, it's been passed down in families and in communities, and that's what we like about it. The vernacular music of uh, usually rural areas, and I, I don't think we intentionally exclude urban areas or anything like that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Uh, um, the music learned uh, learned by ear. The cool thing about tunes like Dry and Dusty is that it probably originated in a, as a Civil War era march and then uh, um, is played everywhere from the Ozarks all the, way, uh, all the way around in some capacity or another. And then there's this sort of idiosyncratic version here. Um, and so that's, that's really what, it, in part, what it's about. It's about combining regionalism with this kind of... Um, kind of uh everywhere in america-ness um the same as the same here is everywhere but different <laughs> so do you have tunes that pop up in different areas that are like tennessee folk or georgia folk or alabama or yes ab absolutely um that's the nature of of oral tradition is that it's local um it's it's part of the distinct character of a community um, and, and more than just, you know, Tennessee and Georgia tunes, which certainly there are, um, tunes will vary from one community to the next. Um, and square dances uh, will also vary from one community to the next. You know, you might, um, you might drive 15 minutes and uh, in different, different parts of, you know, the mountains of the Ozarks or North Carolina, you'll find a different, a different body of work. You know, very often there are tunes that that do that are common that do cross over, um, but also there's a lot of very distinct, unique, uh, unique culture. Well, and how are they unique? Like, what what characteristics of the folk songs are unique? I know it can be anything and everything. Uh, but. Different melodies, different structures. Um, you know, uh, you say you say folk songs, and that's a that's a pretty broad term. Um, what we play is primarily called old time music. Okay. Um, and that's, that's a term that 
was used somewhat when it started getting marketed in the 1920s, um, when they started, when radio in 78 started, you know, popularizing it. It was also called hillbilly music back then. Um, but old time music is, is what generally kind of, um, differentiates it from, from folk music, which is kind of a term that a lot of people associate with the folk revival in the fifties and sixties. Um, and it also differentiates it from bluegrass or from country music. Okay. And when was, when was it called old time music? Like, was there... Is there like an old time <laughs> reference point? <laughs> um, well, uh, before bluegrass is the reference point. Okay. Um, it, that term has been used variously and with you know different degrees of popularity for a long time. But um, but yeah, uh, in the nineteen forties is when bluegrass started. Um, started with uh, Bill Monroe and his Bluegrass Boys. It's the only genre that I know of that's named after a band. Um, but but yeah, so bluegrass you know bluegrass musicians grew up listening to old time music, and um, they they played some of it, um, but they also incorporated a lot of other factors. And and bluegrass was was designed as a commercial music. It was designed to be performed. Um, the resonator banjo that you usually see, old-time banjos mostly had an open back, um, but the resonators got that piece of round piece of wood on the back, um, and it's designed overall just to be much louder. Um, so it's a performance instrument. Yeah. My mom played the banjo growing up, and my grandfather grew up in the hills. He picked cotton in the summers. Mm -hmm. And so uh, riding around in his old truck, we would always listen to old bluegrass music. And so this conversation has kind of taken me back there into some of those conversations. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's fascinating. I had no idea that we, you, what you guys play predates even what my grandfather as a kid <laughs> growing up listened to. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, and there's lineages that are, um, I, I, I personally can't say that I didn't learn from records in 78s, but there's still people you can go visit who are really great old time players who learn from their grandparents, et cetera, um, and, and so the, on. And, so and forth. the things you learn from them, you won't learn anywhere else. You won't learn from them. Truly. Um, well, and, and you also can't learn from uh, I guess sheer enthusiasm <laughs> uh, for the weird, for the weird twisty music. And you're asking about like what's different between what makes a tune distinct and it's little things. It's, it's a bowing pattern. It's uh, it's a, a flick of the thumb. Um, it's these kind of little idiosyncrasies that keep, um, that keep an edge on it like a sharp. And I mean, it can sound like a ragged edge sometimes, but I like to think of it as a sharp edge because a lot of times these tunes were built for dancers. And so concert music is one thing designed to be listened to on the radio at, at your leisure, but dance music has this whole other set of rules attached to it where um, you're keeping time for keeping time and then also keeping this huge amount of drive. Um, that keeps moving the dancers forward. Um, so there's just kind of a different set of priorities um, that all of these personal kind of idiosyncrasies are designed to address. Excellent. And you guys, um, we've not mentioned it yet, but you guys do Fayetteville Square Dance yes. uh, on the mm -hmm. fourth Friday. It's the last Friday. Last Friday. It's important. Yes. It is. <laughs> Sometimes and there's more than four. For someone who's been a couple of times, you think I would know this by now. Uh, <laughs> But so could you speak a little bit then about um, hosting dancers and maybe calling as well um, what the experience differs from performance to maybe in a space like that where you have to drive um, and command mm -hmm. dancers and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, and also I know we're going to have listeners that don't understand square dance or uh, old time music. So if you could break it down in the most simple terms, go for most it. Most simple terms. <laughs> um, well, first of all, what we do is traditional square dancing. Um, it's not Western or club style square dancing. It doesn't involve matching outfits or mm. tap shoes. Uh, <laughs> we don't dance to records. We dance to live music. Um, and it's it's not a it's not a club. We don't have rules. Uh, we have learned these traditional dances from other callers, 
um, sometimes very old callers who've been calling in their communities for a long time. And we we teach them. Um, and this is this is kind of a, a revival part of it. Um, traditionally, uh, callers didn't teach the dances. They didn't have to. Um, you you grew up going to dances in your community and you by the time you know you could walk you could <laughs> square dance and we still see this we were up um, up in Missouri for hooting and hollering and um, there's all these little kids out there practicing their square dancing amongst the grown-ups and there's high school kids teaching each other how to square dance um, so, but but we we've lost that um, in this community. So we we teach all the dances all the way through. Um, and really, as you could say, really children can do it. And although we we have had some trouble <laughs> calling square dances for children, where we accidentally end up showing up to a gig, and there's a lot of children. And then uh, you know we're we're not exactly kindergarten teachers, but <laughs> but we can, but you really can teach kids to do it, and it's also suitable for old folks. Um, um, it's suitable for all, pretty much all ages, um, and um, it's be, that's because it's easy, and also because it's it's not the kind of dancing, is not bumping and grinding at sideways. Um, is that a bar? <laughs> uh, is that almost at certainly shot, at shots? It's shots. shots. There it is. Yeah, it's sideways shots. is a reasonably nice bar. I'm sorry to the owners of sideways. <laughs> um, and the owners of Shots, I like your drink specials. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, um, it's not bumping and grinding. It's actually like, or at least this is one of the things that I really value in it, is that it's this non-sexualized form of community touching. And, or, and I don't even know if community touching is the right phrase. It's just like a community togetherness. I would, I would like to say that while it is not uh, explicitly sexualized, it's as sexy as you want to make it. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it is, it is a thing where, yes, it is, it is a, a ritualized, um, you know, stylized form of, of physical contact. Um, and, and, you know, that might just be swinging with your two hands together, um, or, you know, it, it might be doing the right, left, grand, hand over hand over hand. You're touching everyone in the room, which is a, a primitive Baptist tradition that helps build community. It's just like a handshake. You just it's a handshake. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I, I, I think, yes, I think that, that physical contact is, is something that, you know, we also have kind of lost as a community mm -hmm. and it's, it's a great thing to be able to get back. The way I found it was I, I, I really had an enthusiasm for old-time music. Uh, lied to the first person I met in Fayetteville who I thought might play old-time music and told them that I knew how to play it. I didn't know how to play it very well at all, as Allison will attest to. And uh, he told me about a square dance that would, happened at his house every month. I had no friends, didn't know anybody, had just started graduate school, which was a terrible idea. And... Um, and looked forward to these dances more than anything because I knew I could meet everybody. And I didn't have to love them. I didn't have to even like them. We were just there doing something that was worthwhile together. And it's so it's turned into everything that's, I guess personally, every the epitome of everything that could be good in my life is uh, building a community of uh, mutual interests um, and uh, um, a, a mutual good time um, knowing each other, but not so well that you got to call each other every weekend, um, and check in, but also having somebody ask, Hey, how are you doing? And being able to say, man, I really need a job. And then they'll say, well, let me help you. Or, you know, <laughs> it's not just monetary benefits either. There's I started calling about 10 years ago. Um, I, uh, I was at a festival, an old time festival, um, which th these are festivals where everybody goes to play music. They don't go to listen to it. Um, and, uh, I had been to another big festival before called Clifftop, and there's square dancing all night, every night there. Um, and, you know, really, just really great callers, huge room full of people. Um, and I loved it. And um, I, I wanted to square dance. And uh, there was no square dance at Mount Airy. Um, and it, it just blew my mind. And so I started, you know, talking to some folks. Um, 
<clears throat> that I'd met and asking them, you know, like, can we get a square dance going? Is there anybody that calls? And it turned out four or five of us wanted to learn to call, but none of us knew how to call. But, you know, we'd all square dance before, so we remembered some figures. Um, and, of course, you know, old-time festival musicians were easy to come by. Um, so we did. So we all met up at midnight after all the contests were over, down in the bottom on the stage, and we all took turns trying to call. Um, and, and, you know, it was just, it was just baby steps. Um, but, but over the years, the midnight square dance at Mount Airy has become a tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody does it. Uh, they dance till dawn. Um, and everybody that was in that group um, has become a great square dance caller. Um, and, you know, out on the East Coast, um, I was living in North Carolina at the time, um, there's, there's a scene of revival square dances, traditional square dances, you know, up and down the coast. You know, you can, you can go from Florida to New York um, just traveling and calling square dances. Excellent. I just think it's fascinating how communal it is. Um, and like you guys said, you know, a lot has been lost. Um, physical touch, uh, just community that, of people that you don't have to like. Um, I just think it's fascinating how, you know, that this genre and square dance brings it all together. So I really appreciate that. Well, I think what's fascinating about it is in an age where we all live on our cell phones and where I can walk into a coffee shop and not have a conversation with anyone, it's really hard to go to a square dance and not have a conversation with a stranger, (laughs) which is wholly unique and fascinating to me the first time I stepped in that room and made friends. And I was not expecting to. I was... It's just funny that in a college town where people are on Tinder and Facebook, uh-huh. 85% of the time you can walk into a room and say, hey, do you want to swing your body like close to mine? <laughs> and people don't freak out. Like if in any other situation, that's a really creepy thing to say. Right. Not that you'd even say that <laughs> in particular. And not that I did. Zach says that. Do, do you want to dance? Do you want to dance, right? It's it is absurd to think that someone would say that any other place but square dance. And so square dance for me was a ton of fun because it kind of undermined the normalcy of everyday life because it takes you out of your cell phone or it takes you out of, Hey, I can't talk to strangers or whatever that is and dance with other people. It was, so I really appreciated it. There's a reason it's endured. Yeah, even if you even if we keep bringing it back, it's because you bring it back because it becomes that important. <laughs> uh, it's actually it's really nice to hear uh, the outsider or the you know somebody who doesn't do it all the time perspective because I I know that it's that way for me, but it's become I guess it's become so normal I sort of can't imagine living without it. Um, and, you know, it's almost like going to and I don't want to compare it too much to going to church, but you have a, a community of people. and, and um, I think that's one of the reasons why people still do go to church, yeah. is for community and for a moment when they put their cell phones down and, and think about something that, that they don't have to think about. I worry about this sometimes, but um, because I, I was raised in the Kansas suburbs and in, in uh, sort of rural Illinois and wasn't attached to these sorts of things and wasn't raised religious but uh, um, or raised amongst old-time music. I'm decidedly a revivalist. Um, but uh, inside some of these uh, older ways of life, even though they oftentimes had social conditions inside of them that deserved to die, um, extreme poverty, extreme racism, um, and other uh, really bad gender divide that contemporary old time music does a, a works harder to solve than I think many kinds of music. Um, inside these kind of old traditions there are these sort of kernels of community and self-reliance um, that are really striking to me in the 21st century and, and can be, I think can be kind of a way to, to guide you forward. Um, in ways that are sustainable and also kind. Let's play a tune. Yeah, we better. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. I'd love to hear another Jesus. one. <laughs> <laughs> what ought to, what ought to we play? Oh, uh, Finley? Yeah, you want to 
to play Family yeah. Freak? Is that in D? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it like a two-step. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> so what made you decide to play that one in particular? Or what's the background of that one? Well, it's Vesta Johnson tune. Uh, Vesta Johnson is a great fiddle player from uh, around Springfield, Missouri. I don't remember where in Missouri okay. she lives <laughs> anymore. I really can't remember. And I don't want to say the wrong name. <laughs> I'm seeing old, other old-time musicians in the Facebook comments. <laughs> um, Actually. Uh, right. Well, it's actually kind of lovely the way that we correct each other uh, because it means because it means that we're attending to the tradition. But I learned it also from um, from Pete Howard and and Matt Cartier um, who lived down here. And Vesta's um, um, exceptional fiddle player, weird crook, weird kind of weird bowing, but really really quite nice bowing, um, and uh, only plays with three fingers. Um, she doesn't ever use her pinky because she learned from her brother who didn't have a pinky. <laughs> no way. Um, <laughs> so that's about a two-step tempo. Uh, an old-time two-step is something else that we teach at the square dance. Uh, we usually have a little waltzing lesson as well, although uh, the, the old folks in the Ozarks do the exact same step for the two-step and the waltz. It's, it's, it's lovely. Um. It, I just have always liked uh, ever ever since I heard the tune. Honestly, I think, and I'm I'm never going to claim to be any great shakes as a fiddle player or any great inheritor of the tradition. But every now and again, you come across a fiddle player where you're like, oh man, I can play like them without you know, and it and it doesn't come completely unnaturally. And you don't need to sit there and have them beat you with a stick in order to get it closer to the way that they actually play it. And for some reason, with Vesta, that's Vesta Johnson. That's one tune I'm capable of playing somewhat similar to her <laughs> um uh and you you kind of earn your embellishments over years and um you know you try your best not to embellish but it happens it happens by accident and hopefully those can be happy accidents <laughs> <laughs> thanks bob ross right um i do think it's interesting did so earlier you said you um you know you you kind of stepped into uh old time music like you you moved here you didn't know anybody and that was your way in right yeah so what made you curious about it in the first place and i guess alice and i have the same question for you how did you get involved but um well i you know i grew up in the south i was born here grew up all over um old time music was around um but i wasn't terribly interested in it as a teenager and young adult i wanted to play punk rock and i did <laughs> nice um <laughs> and i was living in portland oregon of all places, and that is a place where the punk rock scene and the old time scene have a lot of crossover. Really? Yeah, and um, and I was dating someone who, you know, uh, played both indie rock and old time, and it was just it was just around, and and suddenly it was something. It wasn't something that you know my parents were sort of into. It was something that my peers were doing. Um, and again, that's something that that we you know have lost here is is it being something that young people are excited about. But out in Portland, a lot of young people are excited about it, and um, and I came to realize what a heritage I had 
at my fingertips being from the South. Um, and so I, I learned to play the banjo and um, just just started playing a lot and came back to the Ozarks and found some, some great musicians here, um, Tillman Pyatt, Tillman and Molly, um, really great old time musicians, learned a lot from them. And, and also, you know, Pete Howard, uh, and there's just a lot of um, Clark Buehling. There's a lot of old-time musicians that, that are around here and do live around here. Um, but then I also spent some time in Asheville, North Carolina, and East Tennessee. And um, the tradition there is much richer because of one simple factor, I think, and that is money. Um, when the folk revival started in the 50s, it was fairly easy for those folks, um, you know, from, from New York and D.C., from the Smithsonian, from colleges, folklorists, musicologists, um, or just, you know, uh, bohemians that wanted to, wanted to learn about old-time music. It was pretty easy for them to get to North Carolina, to the Appalachians, to the Smokies. Mm -hmm. It was not as easy for them to get across the Mississippi and all the way out to the Ozarks. But of course, the Ozarks was settled by Appalachian folks um, who brought that music with them, and then it developed here in its own way. Um, so Ozark old time and folk music was just not, there just wasn't the funding for it. There wasn't the funding for these folk festivals. There wasn't the funding for these, you know, re-releases of old musicians. Um, and Alan Lomax did some work, Vance Randolph did some work. Um, but overall, it was it was just not given as much attention. A lot of the attention that it did get was tourism based. Yes, people figured out that Mountain Branson View. and Mountain View, and Branson and Mountain View had a lot in common. Maybe uh, maybe folks don't know what Mountain View is. It's the Ozark Folk Center is down there, and it was Mountain View was kind of designed as this like hillbilly tourist town. Um, and, that, and the, the folk center saved old time music in the Ozarks. Yeah. I, I think I would give them credit for absolutely saving it, but they sort of saved it in a bell jar. Um, it was, it was more of a performing for the tourist tradition and less of a developing community tradition. On the other hand, though, on the other hand, you have Branson, not that far away that was built upon a similar model that has turned into what we all know Branson to be. Uh, um, where you know you have people riding real live buffalo for twenty dollars for a bucket of fried chicken and to watch a <laughs> man ride a real live buffalo, um, uh, and so there's there that direction um, has was very helpful. Um, I guess I should go back and talk about how I got started in all this. Um, so I didn't. I knew I was really interested in old time music and I was already sort of collecting old uh, music had been all throughout college. Um, I went to the same college that Carl Sandburg went to this sort of great American poet who also played the guitar very poorly um, and sang a lot of folk songs and his sort of programming would be I'll sing American folk songs kind of in the tradition of Mark Twain's talks or something like that. He would go in and and sing folk songs and um, and read poems. And I was enamored with his folk singing um, and uh, kept getting into it and went to the Smithsonian to do some research on his guitar playing. So I wanted to figure out exactly how bad it was. He would kind of invent chords. Um, but even before that, my father um, helped to start this festival in Kansas that's huge now called Winfield. Um, he ran sound at it. He was one, at the first 10 of them. He ran sound at the first 10 Winfields. And so he had this like really strong knowledge of, of old music that he had from people he had worked with there, including, um, some well-known cowboy singers, one of which I'm lucky to play with later today named Steve Cormier. Um, when I was a kid, my father mentioned that there was, he just offhandedly mentioned, um, Oh, you know, I was playing with this old boy, Steve Cormier, and he was, he actually used the phrase, um, dry as a popcorn fart, which is the weirdest <laughs> thing to say, but he couldn't really play, you know, and he, but he sang all these cool songs. He sang, I think what I think is still my favorite song, my dad said, and I remembered the name of the song is called, I think of you, um, an old ballad and, um. I I looked it up in the early days of YouTube and just sort of had this kind of 
private affection for old cowboy ballads even when I was a teenager. Um, weirdly enough, my dad hasn't seen Steve and Steve Cormier in 40 years, and um, I'm playing a gig with him tonight, Steve. <laughs> um, and uh, um, are we rambling? We ramble. No, you're no, fine. <laughs> And uh, uh, <laughs> have we answered the question of why we like old time music yet? <laughs> it's almost, sort of like when you're looking right at something you can't say, or when you're inside the car, yeah. you, you don't, you can't look you at can't the tell engine. You, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love, I I fell in love with old time music because it, a, I mean, it was something that was in my mind, it was in my childhood, it was in my past, it was something I had grown up with, but when it was when it was presented to me as being a living tradition as opposed to a dead one, um, it, it just opened up a lot of doors. And being a punk rock musician, old time music had a lot of instant appeal and draw. Um, it's working class music. Um, it's, it's about a lot of the same themes, you know, um, love and oppression and poverty and hate. <laughs> and, and and yeah and, and anger uh there's a lot of anger and booze and all Born kinds liquor. of stuff in it um but there's also just a lot of joy and i yeah. was getting to a point where i wanted to get away from making a lot of loud noise and carrying a lot of heavy instruments <laughs> and using a lot of power i wanted to simplify i wanted to have acoustic instruments and you know just be able to put them on my back and bike to a gig yeah. and, and <laughs> make music with a, a minimum of fuss and, and I wanted it to be something really exciting. Um, and, and at that time, um, when I started really getting into it around like 2000, um, there were a lot of punk rock old time bands that were, that were happening. There's a great band called the Can Kickers from Connecticut that we toured with a whole bunch. Um, and, and, it, and a lot of punk rockers were really getting into it at that time. And so it was just a great scene and a great community. I know we keep coming back to that, but that is okay so that's really fascinating to me that you have the punk scene in portland um married almost to the old time scene in portland that oh, is yeah. so strange and funny to me oh, yeah. uh but also i think i totally get what you say when you say this is a type of music that speaks to people who might be un like their necks are under the boot of someone else or that are working class people or that sort of thing. Do you yeah. mind, guys mind speaking to that sort of thing? Because that to me is really interesting that where Willie, you said um, it approaches music and gender in music much better than in any other genre of music. You mentioned I don't know singing. about much better than any. Okay, okay. That's a fight on all I, for us. Well, <laughs> I think, well, and that's what actually what I mean is that I think it is actually a fight on all is that it's a, is that I, I do believe that uh, women in old time music have made um, have been become more accepted in the last couple of generations in a in a pretty big way or at least like at least in 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 punk music it sort of pretends to be or at least this is something that I found after I sort of I played punk music too was that um, uh, as much as you might pretend to be an inclusive community there was also there was this really forceful form of dancing and this really kind of loud aggressive music that sometimes um that sometimes could you you know you'd literally knock somebody smaller than you down in a mosh pit when you weren't even trying to and I'm I know you can't tell through the radio but uh I'm 6'4 and 300 pounds and that experience sucked and didn't feel equitable uh to me um and that old time music in some ways I think is is more is more inviting um, to, uh, to everybody. Um, it, I don't, I found it easier to play, but I was a pretty bad <laughs> punk musician. Uh, as uh, having been a, a woman playing professionally mm. in both the punk scene and the old time scene, um, I honestly, I think there's, there's a lot of problems mm. both ways, you know, in old time music, there is kind of this, um, this paradigm that exists of what a female musician should be. Um, and people want you to fit into that. Mm -hmm. You know, they want you to play the auto harp and, you know, be Mother Maybelle Carter and sing your pretty songs. Um, 
Whereas in punk rock, there is not that paradigm. Mm. Um, I mean, it's certainly much harder just to prove yourself and be taken seriously in the music in general. But at least, at least punk rockers are punk rockers. Mm. At least there's not like a female punk rocker that you're, you know, that, mm. that I, or at least at the time that I was expected to be. So that was that was kind of a nice thing, um, mm -hmm. but but like I said, with more and more um, young people and more and more um, punks and indie rockers and and folks of all stripes getting into old time music, um, it's it's changing a lot. It's it's becoming a lot more egalitarian. Well, I, I should I should I guess maybe further qualify what I what I'm saying is I, I brought it back to like like. Uh, or I would like to bring to, I guess it to, it changed my view of what music, what I needed music to be, which is in the case of this dancing, is I need to dance nicely with uh, with ten with ten to a hundred people of every gender, um, and that's what's going to make me happy. And it's not going to be um, it's not going to be this sublimated hyper masculine anger, which I think we you know I played in a political punk rock band. We sure thought that we were. Um, more uh, kinder than we were, um, but that it's the social aspects of the music, the the potlucks and the dances and so on, that really, um, I kind of opened me up and broke what was a, a pretty hard, uh, hardly acculturated um, shell. Do you guys want to play another song? Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> I saw Willie's fingers like moving on his middle. <laughs> what should we do? Well, we could do a meat skin, we could do a tune. Um, what else do we do on fiddling guitar? <laughs> Not much. We didn't bring a set list. Um. Oh, let's do a, uh, let's do, um, we haven't done this in a while, but let's do uh, um, either Banks of the Ohio or Short Life of Trouble. Short Life of okay. Trouble, please. Uh, this comes from, um, Grayson, Grayson and Witter. Oh, boy. 
Awesome. Gotta ask the background again. <laughs> On that song? Yeah, well, and I know you, you mentioned you have um, a CD. So let's yes, talk about the band. CD with it's the band. It's called Old Ties is our band name. And we have a CD out and you can buy it at Maybell Music or you can buy it on cdbaby.com or you can buy it at any of our rare these days shows. How often do you guys play? We play together quite often. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we do the square dance once a month um, and we pick together as... A, as often as we can, boy. Willie has got uh, a solo career going. He's got an album out called Too Nice to Mean Much, and he's been touring with that real heavily. So Old Ties has kind of been on the back burner, and I've got various other projects that I do. Um, uh, Al, you've got uh, Public Domain now. Yeah, uh, I've got a monthly jam session at Smoke and Barrel. It is the first Monday of every month. It's called Public Domain. It's music of 1940 and before, so it's old-time music. It's jazz. It's blues. It's whatever people want to bring to the table. ASCAP can't, can't get you then. Well, <laughs> it's, it, we're not quite that strict about it, but the point is just to play old music. Um, and I've been working with uh, Rachel Reynolds, doing some, some fun lady duet singing stuff with her. Uh, Rachel's a great old-time fiddle player from the area. She and, fiddled the last dance. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Well, so we just talked about all our all everything else that we're doing, um, but we do play uh, out as old ties, um, and that's as in um, ancient connections, not antiquated neckwear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we play the square dance, and honestly, um, the way that I view my relationship with the music is kind of bigger than a band in some ways. We haven't made a whole lot of money doing what we playing, being old ties or anything. We've made a, a little cheddar here and there, but it's been more about, um, for me, learning how to do this. Um, Allison was real patient with me. Um, well, reasonably patient most of the time. <laughs> uh, and I've learned a whole lot. And, um, you know, I still learn dances. We, uh, I still learn dances from Allison. Quite often, um, he's, he's stealing all my stuff. Right, stealing your moves. <laughs> it's true, literally. Uh, and I try to pick him up elsewhere. In fact, I'm li really looking forward to going on tour in part so that I can go to a gathering of square dance callers and learn new dances to bring here. Yeah, because uh, um, that's an important part of all that too. And, that, and that's a cool thing that that y'all may not know about this thing called Dare to Be Square. Um, it's a, a like a three-day-long um, square dance caller, I don't know what you call it, convention. It's it's workshops is what it is. It's, it's to teach people how to call traditional square dances, and I've attended it. Um, and it's, it's, there's definitely, there's a revival going on. It's a continuing process of, of keeping traditions alive. Sorry, did we ramble? <laughs> did we answer the we No, I think we're you not got answering it. any questions. I think we got to it any other projects. It was, deep, um, it yeah. was deeply in We there. have a band. It's called Old Ties. It's great. You should buy our CD. Yeah, pretty right. neat. It has a, it's, the cover is beautiful. I'm worried about running out of them because we won't have any more of this beautiful handmade cover. We had somebody do, uh, Aviva Stegmeyer, do this beautiful woodcut for us that we made into a stamp. Um, I'm, pl I'm proud of it. I'm not particularly proud of my fiddle playing. I should say I think that last... That, that was a little tune, that last piece. Um, but uh, um, it's, uh, I think, what is the, the adage? Is old-time music is better than it sounds? Mm -hmm. <laughs> My other favorite one is old-time music. I love that tune. Because uh, uh, they all sound the same. <laughs> to, a, to an untrained ear square but, dance. I mean, <laughs> sound I'll, I'll tell you, I'm headed down to Tampa next week to play a gig, and I'm playing with a fiddle player, Hawk Hubbard, down there, who I never thought I'd play with again. Um, and he says, oh, man, I'm going to come to your gig. Let's play some tunes. And he says, well, what do you want to play? And I say, well, geez, I don't know what we'd have in common. Let's play Sally Ann real fast, which is kind of a joke. Everybody plays Sally Ann. And then Hawk, uh, straight-faced, or, you know, I didn't see his face. We were on the phone, says, uh, whose version? And then he mentions five fiddle players mm -hmm. who, the same tune, he can play their version of well. five I mean, it's kind of the same tune. I know a Sally Ann in D that's entirely different from your Sally Ann in, in, G, a. in a. It's got yeah. three parts, and one of them might be sort of kind of like the one that... You, yeah. So you get, you get perhaps what we mean, is that is that even when you... Is everywhere you go, you'll have everything in common, but you also have all these little nuance, little differences that are, are um, fun and worthwhile. 
But Willie, you also have um, another project going, uh, Death of a Folk Singer. Yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit. So <laughs> you've been breathing it and yeah, I've been doing for this entire month. So so um, um, I I wrote a one man play and I'm doing it at a bunch of fringe festivals across fringe theater festivals, which are weird little theater festivals across the country um, this summer. Um, it's a play about the death of an old folk singer where he has to come to sort of this old folk singer has to come to a reckoning about the value of the way that he spent his life um, and, uh, and um, kind of uh, in the long run finds redemption um, in folk music um, in some way. Um, and it, I mean, it really is a play about death. The reason that I wrote it is because I have the kind of inside me this anxiety about about the politics of revivalism, about what it means to be, um, about uh, what it means to be a person um, um, going back to this old music instead of being somebody who grew up with it. Um, but also because I've been writing poems and monologues and just like I would go home so enthused about these dances and stuff that I would just write something. And over the years that accumulated into this play, um, that I'd always wanted to do. I think in my notebooks, like six years ago, there's, hey, you should write a play about this. Um, and so I'm finally doing it. It's called Death of a Folk Singer. Um, it'll be all over the country. Um, it's about an hour long. It's a lot of work. I'm always exhausted by the end of it, but I'm not a fit man. Um, <laughs> and um, it's, not, uh, it's not perfect but I'm finally beginning to understand what it actually is. It's been changing for months. Um, and because I wrote it, uh, you have to make changes and then act those changes. And sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes things are just factually incorrect that I have fixed. Um, <laughs> that was Such as to me that I said that embroidery wasn't quilting. a social activity. Quilting, quilting wasn't a social activity. And it's, that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, audiences everywhere might put up with that stuff, um, but not but, Allison. Well, but you should. But also, you should. Just rolling eyes everywhere. Like, well, it's just it's quilting is absolutely social. Yeah, yeah. Quilting, I'm make, sorry. Quilting an entire quilt by yourself is exhausting, and people do do it. But but having a quilting circle is much much easier. Right. Um, and uh, well, so little mistakes like that have been brought to light in the preview process before I leave here, and that. That preview process has been a little terrifying um, because I know that people who know a lot more about this sort of thing than me uh, were, were going to be there and were going to give me their their real feedback um, as opposed to, you know, I'm looking forward, of course, I'm looking forward to doing this in Brooklyn, um, but I, I anticipate it being more of a uh, of a leap for people to say, so it's a play about a folk singer and they'll immediately think, I don't know what people in New York think. About folk Brooklyn music. loves folk music. Uh, they love they every, every hipster in Brooklyn. Got a banjo <laughs> now. To be fair, I have a friend who goes to NYU right now and I told her about this and she lost her mind. She loves folk music. So she, <laughs> she'll be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, great. Good. <laughs> Move out here. <laughs> At least one person. Because I'm, I'm not moving to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, oh, I also wanted to talk a little bit about um, uh, the Roots Festival, Fayetteville Roots Festival. Oh, so yeah. um, I own a music store, Maybell Music, um, and we we carry all kinds of stuff, but uh, we do specialize in vintage instruments and um, instruments to play old music. And um, we, so the, the Fayetteville Square Dance um, has always synced up with the Roots Festival, um, so we always do a big square dance during the Roots mm -hmm. Fest. Um, but we also have been doing workshops at Maybell Music, old-time music workshops. So um, this year, Pete Howard, local fiddler, is going to be teaching the fiddle workshop, which I'm really excited about. Um, and I'm hoping that Seth Shoemate will teach another harmonica workshop, but that's not confirmed yet. Um, there will be a banjo workshop and possibly an old-time guitar or old-time singing workshop as well. So if folks want to get into traditional music in the Ozarks, that's a great place to start. I've always been a terrible harmonica player, and so because I didn't want to take any of the workshops for stuff I might know some of, I took the beginning harmonica workshop, and in a year, I feel like I could maybe actually play the harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were they're they're really a hoot. They're very fun workshops. 
Do you happen to have the dates for the Roots Festival off the top of your head? It's the last weekend of August and the last true full weekend. Okay, okay. excellent. Hence, Square Dance is on the last Friday. So yes. there yes. you go. Yeah. <laughs> Not the fourth Friday. We learned that. <laughs> We're learning here. It's a work in progress. Oh, it is. Well, um, are there any last things you want to talk about before you maybe close us out with another song? No. <laughs> well, the song's it. All right. <laughs> what are we going to play? Well, why don't we play, why don't we play a fast tune? I learned this tune from... Oh, heavens, Pete Howard. <laughs> I didn't mean to make this a Pete Howard <laughs> Pete, if you're out there, I'm sorry. Um, uh, Robinson County. Thank you, Willie and Allison, for being on. We've had a blast well, talking you. to you all. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you guys later. That was such a good interview. And it's the last one for a while. I hope you liked it. I hope you like the jams. I love the jams every time. And I'm not talking about the jam as in what we say at the end of every episode. You mean strawberry, raspberry. Absolutely. Jam. That was some good musics. <laughs> I had a good time with the music. Anyway, um, so we want to take this back half uh, to talk a little bit about um, kind of the events that we're trying to uh, be a part of in the future. So, again, I've said this on past episodes, but I will repeat it on this one. We are trying to uh, do this Hey Hey series where we go to an event and it can be... We can report on it in any way. We can walk around asking people um, questions on the spot at the event, or we can reflect on it, or we can talk about our top five favorite films, <clears throat> Bentonville mm-hmm. Film Festival one that has already happened. So we're actually doing an event this Sunday. Yes, Peyton, we are, and I'm very excited about it. Um, so on Sunday, starting at noon, Sunday, May 21st, if you're hearing this, during the week that we release it. There's an event. Uh, it's the Block Street Block Party. And if you've lived around here very long, you know what the Block Street Block Party is. Um, but it's this massive event where they shut down all of Block Street in Fayetteville. Um, and they bring out all these local musicians and local vendors and food trucks and nonprofit organizations. Um, and basically you have from noon until dark to engage as much or as little of it as you want. So there's going to be food and uh, drinks and music and local businesses and nonprofits, charities, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Last year they raised $8,000 roughly for charity. It's supposed to be like 10 to 12,000 people attending. There's supposed to be over a hundred local vendors, like a hundred bands 
uh, food trucks, like 30 food trucks or something. So we're going to be out there uh, pounding the pavement, interviewing people who are at the event. Um, and we're going to... Is that what pounding the pavement means? It means a lot of things, but that's <laughs> what we're going to utilize it for our purposes here tonight. Sure. Um, we're going to be out there kind of hanging out, uh, talking to people. So if you've ever wanted to be interviewed for a podcast or if you just want to come hang out with us, we're going to go be at the Block Street uh, Block Party May 21st. Uh, we'll probably get there... A little bit afternoon, and I'll probably stay till about dark. I'm going to hang out most of the day and kind of enjoy the music and kick around and hang out. Um, And for funsies, uh, I was telling Zach, I want to put a sign on my back that says, want to be on a podcast? And it's not like a kick me sign. It's going to be like a well-made, artistic, big poster board sign actually just kidding not big poster board it has to fit on my back you should get sandwich board you should have one on front and one on back i am not a sandwich but it's a sandwich board and you (laughs) can wear it on both sides it'd be great i'm just gonna have it on the back and we're gonna wear our t-shirts on the front so you can see our little logo and be like hey hey nwa i know those guys i'm gonna go talk to them i'm gonna give them a high five and then be on our podcast where you talk about how much fun you're having at the event or not having at the event. <laughs> that would be, that's fun. O- Let's get res- that. Honest responses only. Thanks. <laughs> um, so anyway, we're going to be there next Sunday, hanging out, doing that nonsense. It'd be very, very fun. Highly recommend you showing up and hanging out, listening to some good, good music and eating some good, good food and hanging out with some good, good boys. That's us. That's us. Elise may or may not be there. So that's why we said the boys. We are the boys. This one's for the boys. The boys are back in town. And with that... Do you have any more? No. <laughs> um, I'm really trying to think of some more. I don't have any more. And because I have no more, that's the jam. Mm-hmm.